morning, why don't we celebrate the goodness of our God, amen.
right there. The Nicene Creed dating back thousands of years. I believe in God, the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son, the Redeemer, that came to shed his blood for us. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, who is with us, is the presence of God in our lives every day. That, those
give him praise and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for what you've done in our life. For the love and mercy that you extend and show. For the forgiveness and grace that you extend. Fill us with your power and might. There's people that are literally fighting for their life right now from our congregation. And I pray you heal their bodies and restore them and bring them back to full life, Lord. For families that are hurting that haven't had that success and they lost their loved ones and minister to them. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, as we examine our life. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated quietly as we prepare for communion. What a powerful song. Because he took our sin from us as we extend it to him. Our name was the one on the cross, yet he died for us. And in the night that he was betrayed, he had taken the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples after giving thanks. And he said, take this all of you and eat it, for this is my body. It's my body that is going to die for you. My body that's going to provide for you. My body that's going to do everything you're going to need in life. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So God, today we remember with great joy. We're celebrating, Lord, not that you died, but that you died for us. We're celebrating that, Lord, you loved us so much that we finally came to realize that now we're free. So, Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. This is the body of Christ you made of the bread. He likewise took the cup. He gave thanks and giving it to the disciples said, This is my blood which is given for you. The blood of the new covenant. The blood of victory. The blood of the power to break sin. To break the bondage of sin. The power to protect. The power to shield. The power to raise up. The power to bring back. The one that does that which you need. So Father, as we hold this cup, we think, Lord God, of those areas in our life where we so desperately need the blood of Jesus to heal the wounds and cover us from all infirmities that, Lord, we might be facing. Father God, continue to just strengthen us with your great mercy. We pray in the name of Jesus, as the blood of Christ, you may drink of the cup. What a joy, Lord, to be able to celebrate this holy communion meal with you. We love you and pray in Christ's glorious name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet again and just worship him and thank him? Thank you.
Lord, it's not a song, just a song. It's the prayer within the depth of my heart, Lord, that says, Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Lord, uh, that we've come into this place here together. As difficult as it may be sometimes, Lord, to come through these doors, we thank you, Lord, that when we walk in, Lord, that you fill us with your peace, that you overwhelm us with your presence. And so grateful, Lord, to be in this place with my brothers and with my sisters, Lord, but Lord, taking in, Lord, your promise and filling your presence, Lord, the infilling of your Holy Spirit in us here today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, and it's in your name that we pray, and his church said all together now, amen. That's right. Give him a praise this morning, church, for his goodness and be able to celebrate the being together. Uh, hey, church, while we're celebrating, can we uh, just, why don't we welcome one another in his name this morning? Amen. Good morning, my family. Good morning, good morning. All right. Y'all are a happy bunch this morning. That's right. Look at you all chatty in here. Look at that. Well, they awesome. were worshiping. Now they're. I know. They're all yeah. about it, right? Yeah, they're, they're family it. in here. They, they have, are. They're placing bets. Oops. You think? In the house of the Lord. I know. I know. I thought I'd call them out right now. <laughs> I'm praying for you, brothers and sisters. Hey, church, we want to welcome you into his house. My name is Michael Romero, your worship and arts pastor here in New Beginnings. My name is Roxy. It is an honor and privilege to be part of your worship team. Amen. Hey, church. Uh, welcome to Football Sunday. Amen. Um, also, just what we call Sunday. Also Sunday. Also yeah. just regular yeah. Sunday. It's really cool. Um, for those of us wearing jerseys, I congratulate those teams that didn't make it as well. You know, it takes a lot of courage to wear this jersey, Rox. Does it? Why? Why, Michael? It takes a lot. Because you're terrible? Yes, because my team is just... Uh, I mean... I mean, yeah. Well, you know, people like Brother AJ, he's, he plays our guitar. You know, he's wearing his Chiefs jersey. Yeah. You know, I, I and um, Chiefs he wasn't supposed to wear it, though. He I wasn't thought, supposed to wear it, though, Roxy. Why not? It's it's Jersey Sunday. So you were, I think you were part of the, the group text message uh, where we was said, you know, ignore? they asked us if we could, the, the team was asking, hey, can are we going to wear our, our jerseys this Sunday because we normally do it on Super Bowl Sunday? Has it? Yeah. The only thing is, you have to be a fan for at least three years. Uh, and AJ just kind of jumped on the bandwagon for KC the last couple of years. So, if you see him, please give him a hard time. Yeah, that'd be great. Eventually, the text message ended up like, "You can't wear anything that's black. <laughs> you can't wear anything that's blue. The only colors you could wear would have been this color: burgundy so, and gold. That's, that's it. it. That's it. But you know." 
Hey, church. Um, we don't follow rules around here, right? Look, a couple of things we want to catch you guys up on. Uh, we hope that you enjoy your day today uh, with your loved ones. But, church, a few things that we want to talk to you about. Church, look, last week we really spoke on youth, on youth camp, and we want to just remind you, in case you weren't here last week, youth camp registration is open and spots are limited. We're at That's 50% right. capacity. Wow. Just already. an FYI. Now, this is in June, so yeah. 50% capacity means we're halfway there, which means you need to get your child registered. ASAP. It's for children that are um, in third grade now going into fourth grade or entering 12th grade. So fourth grade through 12th grade are the children that will be going this summer. It's an important, important um, way for you to help your children grow in Christ. I'm a child of youth camps my whole life. Um, you're a child of youth camps, right? I am. Yeah, I mean, youth camps are, and I know they're only one week in the summer. Specifically this youth camp is the best one, just, in the, just so you know. Well, listen, I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm going to ignore you for just a second and keep talking. <laughs> I do that often. Fine, rocks. I do that often. Listen, youth camp, even though it's only one week, it's so fundamental. The things that children learn there, the lessons that they take on um, for the rest of their life that they can apply later, that you never know when the lesson that they learn in youth camp is going to be important to their life. And that's why it's so important. So if you've got children in your life, I encourage you to register. If you need help paying for the registration and the fees, let us know because there are also people in this church who don't have children um, who would be happy to help you pay for the registration for your children. So if you have children and you want them to go, please let us know. Um, and your your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, anyone that you want to go. And uh, by the also, way, I'm just going to say, go ahead. Go. I know Pastor Wood, I knew Pastor Wood personally, so I feel like it still counts, right? That's right. Thank you. Right. And church, look, there are fundraising opportunities available as well, so please do that. Hey, and also, if you, you want to sponsor uh, one of our students, we would love for you to do that, church. Maybe you can't afford a full sponsorship. Maybe the Lord is leading you to say, hey, that, that five bucks that you found in the parking lot or that one that or jacket, two to in the jacket, you, right? The bonus worn, 20 bucks, right. dude. Yes. How many of you guys get, get so pants. excited for that bonus, like $5 you found in your pocket, right? Hey, that, if you say, you know what, put, you can put that envelope in an envelope and write down youth camp donation and drop it off at one of our tithing boxes. That would be amazing because we say that all the we say this from the pulpit all the time, is that the drip will always what? Finish it, right? See? There you go. Drip will fill no, the bucket. I refuse. So. I also refuse to say counterculture. Counter. counter. But church, if you want more information on youth camp. You can always head to the... You can. you can always go to the app, Michael Romero. Okay. You can always go to the app. You can go to the website. You can go to the counter. Counter. Culture. Can, counter. Culture. <laughs> you can't get away from it. I told you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, there's an app. There's a website. Yeah. There's a Facebook page. Please. There's a counter. If you would like some more information... <laughs> For yourself, for your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, or you have a donation, please see Michael at the... Counter, 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 culture, counter. <laughs> Try to say that ten times fast. Yeah, yeah. Church, anyway, look, church. We, we would love for you to participate, and your student as well. Uh, church, so many other things that we want to talk about. Um, church, can we give it up for what you and I are doing in this community? Just on Friday alone, we give away over 12,000 pounds of food. 12,000 pounds of food. And we do that every month. And that's not even including our regular Tuesday and Thursday food pantry that, have, uh, that we have open. So thank you so much, church, for your participation in that. 
and so many other events that we have. Church, we, um, look, the ways to give, if you want to say, I, I want to participate in that. I have not done that yet. Or maybe the Lord is pushing you to do that. The ways to give electronically are behind me on the screen or in front of you at home. If you've not participated in that, uh, in, in the obedience of the tithe, uh, I'm going to challenge you in doing that. I'm going to challenge you in doing that. And so, church, the ways to give, again, are behind me on the screen or in front of you at home. Or you can pick up one of the envelopes on your way into the sanctuary and drop off your cash or, or a check, or however you may want to do that, uh, and drop it off at one of the tithing boxes in the entryways to the sanctuary. That's right. It's Amen. so good to see you. Thank you for your faithful giving, church. Love you, church. Turn your attention to the screen. All hope is lost. And it is no longer true that I will live in peace and harmony with my God. It is almost beyond imagining, but perfect days of walking with him in paradise are over, and now I am destined for days of separation and longing for my true home. My sin is beyond God's grace to forgive. I have come to realize that it is foolish to believe that God could accept me after all that I had done. How can it be? To think that all my prayers went unheard. How foolish it was to believe that he loves me. There is nothing left to do but declare that I am lost without hope and future. And I can no longer believe that I will be restored. When sin came into the world, it brought death. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in our place, and it brought life. He rose again, and everything turned upside down. I will be restored, and I can no longer believe that I am lost without hope and future. There is nothing left to do but declare that He loves me. How foolish it was to believe that all my prayers went unheard. How can it be to think that God could accept me after all that I had done? I have come to realize that it is foolish to believe that my sin is beyond God's grace to forgive. Days of separation and longing for my true home are over. And now I am destined for perfect days of walking with Him in paradise. It is almost beyond imagining, but I will live in peace and harmony with my God. And it is no longer true that all hope is lost. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creation. Behold, all things are gone. They're passed away. All things have been made new. Young people, go ahead and go across the hall right there. Um, not across the street. Uh, <coughs> Chick-fil-A's closed. Okay, so stay right here. Stay on the campus and just go across the hall to the youth room. 
And uh, and I, I do want to clarify something in the youth camp. If you're a senior right now and you graduate in May, you are still eligible to go to camp, okay? Uh, somebody had asked me that. Hey, guys, look, this says if any man be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. That is so important, and we believe that, and we see transformation takes place, and we see transformation take place behind prison walls. A lot of us are behind prison walls, but there's literally people behind prison walls in the prisons that God is setting free and transforming and changing the community in prison. But when they get out, they come out and they become part of a community and they change that community for the better because they've been transformed. Amen? And we have a partnership with Prison Fellowship. We've been doing that for several years. We do Angel Tree with them. But now uh, Renee Myers has been going into the prisons, and there's a door opening up for us to go into the prisons, not just for the women's prisons in Grant, but the men's in Grant, the men's in Los Lunas, and it's going to be amazing. And you don't have to be vaccinated anymore. So, Renee, come up here real quick like, and tell us about the academy that God has opened up and we're going to be a part of. Amen. Yes, definitely. So what's awesome about Prison Fellowship is is that um, we are... Is the mic on? I need a mic on. Hello? Mic on. Mic on. Mic on. Mic on. <laughs> but I'm loud enough. So anyway, um, so so we're going to be going into to the women's prison. So, um, I, well, it was on the screen behind me. So we graduated our first. So it's one year of a curriculum right. that we take in to the women's prison and now we're going to open it up for the men's prison like you said pastor in las lunas in in santa fe and in grants and so what that means is we get to carry the hope of the living god behind those walls and you know i'm telling you pastor it's powerful i'm actually a product of prison ministry prison fellowship coming in to bring me the love of christ you were in prison 23 years pastor wow and, wow. and that's where the and, Lord got to hold me. And see, and, and, and people would never believe that because of how God is using yes. you and how filled with the Spirit of God you are and how you're impacting a lost and dying world. And some people that used to think, they had to just throw those people away and thank God that God got you and said, oh, yes. I, I, I'm not afraid to put my hand in the trash can and That's pull right. people out. Come on now. So what That's do they right. need to do? How do they sign up? You know what? So um, just get with me. We have a sign-up booth at the back. Nathan Hale from Prison Fellowship will be flying out here from Arizona to come bring the curriculum and show us what it's all about. And don't, you know, curriculum, ooh, no. Just if you love the Lord and you have a passion to bring love into yeah. the life of another human being, then we want to talk to you. So we'll get your name, your number, your email. We'll reach out. And at the last Sunday of the month, we're going to be here again. No COVID necessary, right? Because that, that shot kind of like, well, people are like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But now that that's lifted. And so we're just going to go in and, and with Jesus. Amen. And, and, and with love, and it's powerful. And, and you're going to have a table set up out here? I have a table set up in okay, the back. Okay, so she'll be here every Sunday and every Wednesday night. You guys ask her all the questions you want and, uh, and, and, and be a part of that. It'll really, really be awesome. Guys, we have um, been focusing on this series, how to tear down walls, because when we're hurt and when we have hurts or habits or hang-ups in our life, we have a tendency to build walls between people that we were hurt with 
or even between God, because we got mad at God, and God messed us over, and golly, God's not very cool, and, and so we build these walls, and so I've been trying to help you tear down those walls to let people back into your life, and let God back into your life. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. All of us want mercy. All of us want mercy. But not all of us want to extend the mercy. And look what it says in the next, or two verses down in verse 9. It says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. So we are to be peacemakers. We're to be mercy givers and mercy sharers. And we're supposed to be doing that. So Father, help us to understand this. And take us through this journey today that's going to be a challenging one to really examine our hearts and to get real with you. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Now, we've been talking about the different choices we're making, and today's choice, it's the sixth choice in this series, and it's called the relational choice. And this is what it means, that I evaluate all my relationships, and I offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me. That's a tough one, because some of us are like, but you don't even know what they did. You don't know how they tortured. You don't know how they affected me. You don't know. And God is saying, we offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us and make amends it says, we, and make amends for harm that I've done to others. So we have also hurt people, and we make things right, except when to do so would harm them or others. So in other words, some of you, literally because of the bad relationship, and it went really bad, might even have a restraining order on you. Don't go to that house and try to make things right you're probably going to get arrested. Oh, the pastor told me to make things right. The Lord told me to make things right with the Lord and say, Lord, I I can't go over there, but I want to make things right. You see, by going and approaching some people, it might might make things worse. And it's not about them. It's about you being in obedience. It's about you walking in obedience and doing what you need to do. So we all have hurts, and we all have a hurt list. You have your hurt list, I have my hurt list. If I could just say, hey, remember in the fifth grade? Oh, you shouldn't have brought up the fifth grade. I remember Susie. Oh, she was so mean to me. That Johnny was messed up, man. How about high school? Oh, why did you bring up high school? That was Gilbert. Oh, Gilbert was such a jerk, man. Oh, Becky was horrible, man. Oh. College, oh, why did you bring up college? I remember I got into that frat, and they really tortured me, and oh, that fraternity, that sorority was horrible, and, and on and on and on. Remember the family get-together? Oh, you shouldn't have brought up my family. I don't even have a family anymore. We don't talk. We don't. Thank God no one here has those issues, but I've heard some people do. See, we all have a hurt list. Those people that have hurt you, and, and, and you don't have maybe a real list, but you have it in your mind. And, and the minute you hear about a story where someone did this or someone did that, those people immediately come to your mind, and, and they just bring aggravation to your life. 
Jesus talks about that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. In Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35, Jesus says, he's talking to the disciples, and Peter, who always wanted to up everyone, Peter was like, I'm, I'm the man. Peter's trying to be real smooth because back in those days, when someone offended you, you were supposed to forgive them at least three times. So Peter's trying to be real cool and look how spiritual I am. Hey, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Wow, look how big I am. Not only twice as much, but even one to grow on. He says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. That's 490 times, guys. But he's not saying 490 times, oh, that 491, that's it. No, he said, in other words, it's just an ongoing thing. It's just forever and ever. It's infinity. He goes, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he says, he goes, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring the accounts up to date from servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Not just one million, millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and all his property to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. Forgave his debt. Millions of dollars forgiven. It's, you don't have to pay it back. Man, what enormous grace and mercy was extended to him. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. And he had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called this man into, uh, this called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to do what? To be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you 
if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Oh, God, help us get a hold of this. Help this get a hold of us. I pray in Christ's name, amen. There's two principles you're seeing primarily jump out in this story. The first principle is this. Because we have been forgiven much, we can forgive. You've been forgiven enormous stuff. Stuff that nobody even knows about except you and God. Stuff that you would never even want anyone to find out about. You pray to God, no one ever uncovers that book where all of your sins are written in. And you're saying, oh God, I, I have been a horrible person. And God has forgiven that debt. The man has a debt that can't be paid. And God, the king, forgives him. This is our story. We have sins of, of tremendous millions of dollars. In other words, enormous amount of piles and piles of sins that we have accumulated over our life. And we walk around and we're like, God, forgive me, God, 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 please. And the king forgave him because he extended mercy. He extended grace. He extended love. He extended his overwhelming presence. And this is something really awesome that you see, especially in Luke 15, in the story of the prodigal son or slash daughter. Because there's two sons that this rich man had, and the rich man represents God. And he had sons, and one of the sons said, you know what, it's boring around here. This is a little podunk town. I really want some of my money. Dad, why don't you give me my inheritance now so I could go make it on my own, and I could really have a life. His dad goes, well, if you think you can handle that, sure. And he gave him his inheritance. And the son went out and he partied. We're talking, it says he partied with wild women, with prostitutes, with partying. He got together, but he squandered everything he had. And all of a sudden, man, the party's over, and he's sitting there broke, and he's sitting there, what am I going to do? and I better go get a job. So he goes, gets a job, and he gets a job with this, this pig farmer, and, and, and here he is, a Jew. They're not even supposed to eat pigs, let alone be around them, and he works at a pig farm, and he's taking care of the. but he's starving, and he's going through such a horrible time. Now even the pig food looks good to him. Thank God none of you have ever been there. But haven't we? Or man, it's not pig food. But we know people that were worse off than us and we were better than them and doing good and now we're doing worse because we squandered our life and we're really in the pit. We're in the hole. We are homeless. We're street, living in the streets. We're, we're messed up. We're about to lose our family, about to lose our children, about to lose our marriage. Everything's falling apart. And even their little simple bologna sandwich looks good. And you're like, what happened? How did I get here? And that's what the prodigal son said. How did I get here? What happened to me? How did I end up getting to this low point in my life? This is messed up. And he said, he finally came to his senses and he goes, you know what? I need to go back home, man. At least the servants of my dad eat better than this and they're servants. I'm going to go back. I don't deserve to be called son. I don't deserve anything, but I'm going to go to my dad and say, hey, dad, or I'm, I'm going to say, sir, would you hire me as a servant 
Because, man, I, I'm a good worker, and I know you're a good man. So he heads back home. And he's back home, and, and as he's walking home, he's, he's just praying that his dad's going to accept him, not knowing if his dad's going to accept him or not. We don't know if the dad was sitting on the porch every day. We don't know if he's looking out the kitchen window as he's washing dishes. We don't know what he's doing except that he was always looking out because that day as he's looking out, he sees his son coming, and he's like, yes, my boy's coming home. Yes, my boy. And he runs to his son. And that's a picture of God, and that's the only time God ever runs. God doesn't run from sin. God doesn't run from the devil. God doesn't run from anything. But he runs to welcome us back home. And he welcomed him home. And he took him in. And he said, come home, my son. Man, and that son was like, I don't deserve it. I know what's in my heart. Look what it says in Psalm 103, verse 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart. I will praise the Lord. My whole heart. Not part of the heart. The whole heart. You and I know what's inside of our heart. You know how much we love God, but you also know how much we hold back. You know what we hold back from God. You know what we put on the shelf. You know what we've hid from God. You know what we don't want anyone to find out, including God, about our life. Because we hold back a little bit. No, he's saying, I want to praise him with my whole heart. I want to empty everything out. I want to expose everything that's in there. I want to get right with everything. I don't want to hold back anything because God isn't freaked out with what's inside of your heart. He already knows. He just wants you to tell him. So isn't it time to get real with God? Isn't it time to finally say, you know what? I'm going to quit running. I'm going to quit hiding. I'm not going to act like if everything's fine. Because it, like, it's not. That doesn't mean your life's falling apart, but it, you know it's not where it needs to be. And there's a guy that's here today. His name's Jeff, Jeff Ellis. And he's going to come and share from his heart to ours how he finally came to that decision and said, man, I'm going to come with my whole heart. And I'm going to make things right. Jeff, thanks for being here. We're praying God to use you this morning as you open up your heart to us, my brother. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and my recovery is for alcohol and codependency. And my name's Jeff. That's how we do it in Celebrate Recovery. So I began my recovery from alcohol a little over 14 years ago, and I started in AA meetings and working the 12 steps with my sponsor. And part of that process was step three, where I surrendered my life and my will to the care and control of Jesus Christ, and I specifically asked him to take away this relentless alcohol addiction from me, and he did. Not only was I able to remain sober, but he actually took the desire to drink away from me, and that was something that I never thought was even possible. About a year into my recovery, my work on the steps started to stagnate, and I felt the need to start in a new direction. That's when I found Celebrate Recovery. The moment I first walked in the door, I was greeted warmly, and instantly I felt like I was a member of the family. In fact, only a few minutes after I walked in that door, I was invited into the kitchen to cut fruit for the meal. I was comforted in being able to address my higher power as Jesus Christ and not worrying about offending anyone. Within the first two weeks of attending, I heard about a deep dive experience in the 12 steps called a step study, and I knew that was the direction I needed to head. 
I immediately started searching for a sponsor, and soon I found Tom. Something just clicked when we talked, so I asked him if we could meet for coffee and talk about sponsorship. At our first meeting, Tom said, So Jeff, tell me, what what do intimate relationships mean to you? And I said, Tom, I'm in recovery from alcohol. And he said, I know. You said you've been sober for a year and you haven't drank today. I don't think you're going to drink tomorrow. So tell me, what do relationships mean to you? What I didn't know at the time, but Tom already sensed, was that I struggled with codependency, much in the same way that he did. In describing codependency, Tom placed a virtual mirror in front of me, and he showed me the person that I really was, but I was unable to see at the time. Tom led me through the beginning of a lifetime of work, understanding codependency and how it affected me and the relationships I've been in most of my life. Codependency can be difficult to define because it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. One definition is that it's an imbalance in relationships where one person enables another person's self-destructive behavior, like addiction, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. Many who have experience in the world of addiction identify this person as an enabler, that person who struggles with boundaries. They're willing and they struggle with wanting to save their loved one when the reality is that the support that they provide prevents the addicted person from experiencing the consequences that might bring them to their own rock-bottom experience. And that's the only way they're going to motivate, find motivation to uh, start their own road to sobriety. Another form of co- codependency is one that I call a regulator. Others call it a people-pleaser, and this is the area that I struggle with. For this person, we believe that our happiness is contingent on making our loved ones happy. We go out of our way to make everything okay for the other person in our life. Sounds like a good plan, right? But it has its problems. I'm going to give you an example. One day I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law. He's a substance abuse counselor, and he helped me a great deal in my recovery from alcohol. And in that conversation, he said, you know, the, really, the thing that I like about you, Jeff, is that when you walk in the room, you just make everything okay. I was pretty encouraged to hear that. But a couple of years later, he said, hey, do you remember that conversation where I said you make everything all right? Well, I realize that's not always a good thing because sometimes when I have a problem, I just need to talk about it and have you listen. I don't need you to fix it for me because when you fix it, You prevent me from experiencing the emotions I need to go through on my own to get my own problem solved. And he was right. The telltale sign of a codependent people pleaser is that we're the ones that are going to tell you everything's going to be okay, even when you know deep down inside it really isn't. The problem for us codependents is that we're caught up regulating other people's feelings and managing their problems for them to the point that we lose who we are in the process, and we become miserable ourselves. I did this in two failed marriages. I put myself in orbit around my spouse, taking care of their every need above my own and losing myself in the process. So I drank every night to mask the pain of the broken life I was living in, and my alcoholism destroyed the marriages and much more. There are other ways codependency manifests in our lives, and unfortunately I don't have time to go through all of this this morning. But Celebrate Recovery has some excellent materials on codependency. And, of course, I can't recommend the program highly enough 
to help you identify and heal your hurts, habits, and hang-ups, including codependency. Today, I celebrate 14 years and eight months sober from alcohol. Thank you. A few years ago, I offered my codependency to God for that same immediate healing I got with alcohol, but he made it clear that his plan is not to take this away from me altogether, but for us to work through and heal one day at a time, and we are. CR is for all of us with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's a program of healing, restoration, freedom, and the renewal of healthy relationships with loved ones, and most importantly, with Jesus. If anything I said sounds familiar to you, I pray that you find the courage to come to this Celebrate Recovery program on Tuesdays and find out what God can do for you that you, can do, that you cannot do for yourself. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate you encouraging us because there's people in here, people watching online that you just shared their story. And they're going, man, how do I get there? What do I do? How do I take that first step? What would you say to that guy that's saying, I don't know if I I can break away. I've been drinking so long. I don't know if I, I know what to do. I would say that if anything resonates with anything that I've said or any of the other speakers over the course of the last few weeks, uh, if you're struggling with the courage to step in the door, talk to you, talk to somebody from Celebrate Recovery, talk to your family members, and, and I think they'll give you that gentle nudge that you need to walk in the door and start your healing. You know, um, a lot of us, because I was an alcoholic, I used to say, well, I don't know if I'm really an alcoholic. I just drink a case of beer every night and follow it with a <laughs> bottle of, follow it with a tequila chasers or sure, scotch. Sure, yeah. But... I used to go to work every day, so I was a functional alcoholic. And there's people that now are no longer drinking with me. They call me a dry drunk. But the codependency side, trying to be a people pleaser or just trying to do things for everyone else instead of for yourself, how would you encourage that person to say, look, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to know how to use it wisely. Exactly. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a delicate and thin line between being a very loving and caring person and actually integrating your life into somebody else's to the point where it's hurting both of you. Yeah. Uh, and a program like Celebrate Recovery will show you how to heal, how to find those healthy boundaries so that you can learn and, and become a healthy, loving person in a good way that doesn't deter from, from your family members. Well, Jeff, for those people, I want to pray for them and for you. Lord, thank you for Jeff and his story. Lord, uh, for 14 years and eight months, he's been walking it. And Lord, he still gets tempted, he still gets challenged, and yet he still has victory. So we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for every man or woman right now watching, either online or sitting in their chair here in this sanctuary, that, Lord, you would help them to make the decision to say, Enough's enough. I'm going to be here Tuesday to get the help I need. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Jeff, thank you so much for being here, brother. Love you. So, as we were saying that, because we've been forgiven much, we can forgive. 
But let me tell you the second thing you see in that story about the king forgiving so much. He says that the unforgiving person becomes the unforgiven. So when you're willing not to forgive, you end up becoming unforgiven. Because what does the prayer, the, the Lord's prayer say? Forgive us our trespasses as what? Forgive those. Man. So it's basically saying, forgive me like I forgive. How well of a forgiving person are you? You have your little list. People that you've been holding on to. And you go, but you don't understand what they did. I'll never forgive them, man. You understand, if you don't forgive them, you're literally handcuffed to them the rest of your life. It's not about freeing them. It's about freeing you from that. It's about you becoming free. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we become unforgiven. All we want is mercy. We want God's mercy, but we don't want to extend mercy. We want justice. We want justice. The Lord says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. So you know what we do? We say, okay, God, vengeance is yours. I want a front row seat with a bag of popcorn so I can watch them suffer. Yeah, God, get them, God, get them. <laughs> now, we're not that wicked. Well, yeah, we are. Yeah, we, we really are. Because we, we want that so bad. Yet, the scripture we started with in Matthew 5, 7, he says right there, that God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In Matthew 6, 8, uh, 6 12, rather, it says, And forgive us our sins as we, uh, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now look what he says in Mark chapter 10, I mean uh, chapter 11, verse, chapter 11, verse 25. Mark eleven twenty-five. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your heavenly Father will forgive your sins too. So he's saying, I want you to release people. Forgive them. In Luke 6, 37, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, and, uh, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. In James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, There will be no mercy for those who have, been shown mercy, uh, who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So he's saying it's so important that you truly, truly extend mercy, extend forgiveness to those people that you thought you could never forgive. The one that raped you. The one that mugged you and beat you. The one that hurt your family member that you were so angry at and you had hate in your heart. And God is saying, I want you to forgive. And you're like, I, I can't. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. And when you do not forgive, we stay connected to that person. We're bound to that person. So God, I need to be set free. Our debt has been forgiven. It's like if God has 
said, here's your forgiveness card. It's, it's been forgiven, but you don't go cash it in. So you're walking around with this debt still. And all you have to do is turn it in and you're forgiven. When are you going to finally turn it in and be forgiven? Our debt's been forgiven. And he wants to set us free. And yet there's people on our unforgiveness list, that list that people have hurt you with. Might have been your father or your mother. Might have been a brother or sister, son or daughter, brother, friend, cousin, grandma, grandpa, uncle. Might have been a friend of the family. Might have been someone at work, someone you don't even know. And they brought pain to your life. And, and, and they brought overwhelming pain. When you came in here, you were supposed to be given a card. If you, if you need a, one of these cards, raise your hand, and they'll get one to you. If you did not get one of these cards, there's some up front here uh, that need a card. Okay? Just raise your hand, and the ushers are scouring around to get them to you. So as you see them coming up, just wave them down. But listen to me. This represents our list of people that we haven't forgiven. Those people that the minute someone starts talking about, oh, man, remember when you went to your first prom? I remember prom. I remember what they did to me. I remember uh, that Susie. I wish Susie never would have come into my life. I hate Susie. Susie needs to be on your list, man. Because this is going to be a list that God is calling you to forgive. People that have offended you, people that have hurt you, people that took life away from you, took joy away from you, people that came into your life and stripped you of your dignity, stripped you of your, of your joy, stripped you of your love, and they just took and took and took away from you. And today you carry these people in your heart of unforgiveness and you've learned to just ignore them, but they're still there. And today I'm going to push you because the only way to find healing is to nail it to the cross, to take it to the cross of Jesus Christ, to lay it at the foot of Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't carry this anymore. Oh, I have so much pain and hate. They changed the whole trajectory of my life. I was going in such a good direction, and then that happened, and oh my gosh, it ruined everything. God, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much hurt. I, I don't even know what to do. Lord, help me. Strengthen me, God. Overcome me with your love and your grace and your mercy so I can extend mercy. So this is what I want you to do with this card. As you sit here before the Lord, I want you to write down the name of those people that you can't think of forgiving. You just think, I'll never be able to do this. And maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ. And you need to do that today. Because that's step one of finally getting right. But God is saying, I want you to forgive. You remember when Jesus was dying on the cross? The very people that nailed him to the cross are at his foot, at the feet of Jesus, gambling for his robe and his possessions. <clears throat> and he says, Father, forgive them, because they don't even know what they're doing. 
He taught us how to forgive. He modeled it. Today he's saying, won't you forgive? Who are the people that you need to forgive? Who is that person? Write it down. Start writing right now. Just say, God, I, I need help. I don't know how to forgive this person. I don't know how to forgive this lady. She's so brutal to me. She's hurt my family so much. God, I've been brutal, and God, I'm a mess, and they hurt me, and I turned into this monster now, and God, these people hate my guts, and now I hate them, and I don't really hate them, but we don't, oh, God, who are the people that you need to forgive? Who are the people that you need to extend mercy to? As the worship team sings this song, I want you to write those names on this paper that you have, this index card. Seek God and say, Lord, with my whole heart, I'm not going to hold back anything, God. With my whole heart, I want to release this to you. I want to give it over to you, Lord, completely. Just let the words minister to you. Say, God, I, I've got to release these people, Lord. Immediately you brought up her name. Immediately you brought up his name. Immediately I see that scene over and over and over. Lord, you're calling me to forgive. You're not saying to forget. You're just saying to forgive. So God, I'm giving you these names right now. I'm writing these names down, Lord. Because they're the ones that hurt me. Took a little bit of my life away. I want to be free, God. And the way you've extended mercy to me, I want to extend mercy to them. God, my hand's trembling having to write these names. My heart's overwhelmed, God. I'm trembling with the path you're taking me on, God. Father, thank you for journeying with me, not letting go of my hand. Because, Lord, it's a fearful path. And I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free. Now, this is what I want you to do. If you've already finished your list, I want you to nail it to the cross. So I want you to take it to the cross right now. I want you to come right over here to the cross. And over there, there's a box with a slit in it. I want you to drop that in there. I want you to say, I got to release this. I can't carry these people anymore. I have to release this. Make your way up. Come on. And say, God, it is done. Say it is done. It is finished. Hallelujah. Thank you, Christ. Release it and say, God, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I need to forgive them, Lord. I need to forgive my father, my mother, my brother, my uncle, my neighbor, my grandfather, that babysitter that wounded me and hurt me, my first husband, 
my second husband, my second wife, my first wife. I need to release them, God. I got to let go of them. I got to let go. I can't carry this hate. I can't carry this hate. Lord, I need freedom. I need freedom. What a powerful song they're leading us to the cross with. A song of freedom, a song of celebration. Thank you, worship team. Continue to worship. Continue to sing and say, God, we want it to be finished. We don't want this to resurface over and over. And when it does, we're going to tell the devil, we've already taken care of this. And we're going to release it. We're going to surrender it. We're going to give it up completely. Hallelujah. They're final and forever. Man, he knows where you're at. And he's holding your hand right now, walking up to that cross. I know it's an emotional time, but I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, he is freeing you. He is freeing you. He's freeing you. Say, thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. I never thought I'd be doing this, and here I am, being obedient. Lord, I need my feelings to catch up with obedience. Because I don't feel it yet, but God, I know I'm supposed to do it. So by faith, I'm going to step out. By faith, I'm stepping out. By faith, I'm stepping out. Oh, God's love has triumphed over death forever and ever. It is done. It is finished. Oh, mercy, Lord God. You washed it all away. You washed it all away, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you've set me free. How you have set me free. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep coming and saying, I'm going to release this. I'm not going to leave here with this in my life. I'm going to let it go. I'm having victory today. God has given me a victory. He's giving you the power to walk this journey, to drop this at the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to allow that past hurt to affect me ever again. I'm going to be free. Oh, it is done. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet with us and worship him. Sing it out. Sing it out and say, thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Release your card right there at the foot of the cross. Say, it is done. It is finished. Oh, Christ has given you the victory. God, I'm free. I don't have to carry this bitterness in me anymore. I'm free, God. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father God. Oh, sing it out. Sing it out, church. Thank him for what he just did in your family, how you're breaking generational unforgiveness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful for your love. Father, you've taken us on one of the hardest journeys of our life. You've shown us what we were forgiven of, but God, we had to forgive. Out of obedience, we forgave. We didn't even feel like forgiving, but God, we're not living about feelings. We're living about obedience. So let our feelings catch up to what our obedience did today, God. We have forgiven that person. Some of those people are already dead. We can't even tell them, but we can tell you, God. We forgave them. We're finally free. God, some of those people we can't approach. But God, we can tell you, God, we're free. Thank you for the freedom that you've given us today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And God's people shout out, amen. amen. Give him praise, would you? Give him praise for what he just did in your life. Praise God. We love you, church. God bless you. We're shifting into child dedication now. God bless you. Bless you, Andrew. Oh, wait, I gotta get a hug for...